Hey guys, welcome back to the Greenwood First Student Podcast. We are back in the book of 1 Timothy this week. We're going to be starting in chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 is where we'll be covering. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get that, open it up. Let's see what the Word of God has for us this week. If you've been following along with us, you know that this is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a young pastor there in Ephesus. And he's been writing him this book, and it's been an instruction of what the church should look like, and also for Timothy as a leader, the way he should conduct himself and how the church should view leadership in the church and the qualifications to be a leader. Well, this week we're going to look at some advice that he gives to Timothy that I believe all of us as believers should focus in on. So we're going to read verses 6 through 10, and then just talk through these verses together. And hopefully this, this word today will, will challenge you to question where you stand in certain aspects of your faith. Not to make you feel condemned or belittled, but to maybe challenge you or, or spur you on to, to keep moving forward, as we'll see Paul is encouraging Timothy here. So chapter 4, starting in verse 6, this is what the Word of God tells us. It says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and the good teaching that you have followed, but have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness, for the training of the body has limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise to the present life and also to the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For this reason we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. And so what we see in this encouragement, beginning there in verse 6, he says, if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters. Now we recognize that that starting point seems like it's coming off of something, and, and it is. And so we look back into the beginning, the first five verses of chapter 4, and we see that Paul is telling Timothy that Scripture is clear that at some point people are going to start to depart from the faith because they're believing in deceitful things, teachings of, of evil, teachings of demons, and, and through the hypocrisy of liars, and, and they have these ideas, and he starts to list them in verse 3 that forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that are created by God. And so this, this idea that holiness or godliness would come by the actions of the people by certain things that they would abstain from, that that would help them achieve godliness. And the reason this isn't true is because this is a, a works-based understanding of the gospel, that we achieve godliness not by believing in Christ and following His commands, but simply by uh, abstaining from certain things in our lives and being able to look at our own works and say, well, I'm righteous because I'm doing the right thing, as opposed to saying the only righteousness that I have is my faith in Christ. And because of His supreme righteousness, I can appear righteous because of what He has done for me. And so that, that's this understanding of the gospel that is true, where these people were, were starting to add works to it. And He's saying, hey, if you point these things out there in verse 6, then you're being a good servant. He's, he's saying, if you challenge people in their misunderstanding of the true gospel, you're, you're being a good servant to Christ because you're helping spread truth. You're helping show truth to people when they may be confused or misunderstanding in certain things. And so it's important for us to know that, yes, we do at times need to point out the truth when we recognize when people begin to add to the gospel. And so we say, uh, you know, it's not about just believing or having faith in Jesus. It's having faith in Jesus, but then you must also 
do these things to to be godly, then then we have to help you understand that it's it's not things that make us godly. And that's going to get a little bit tricky as we get into some of these verses in, in 8 uh, and understand that we are to be doing things. We are to be striving for certain things. But I want to make it clear that when we talk about this training ourselves for godliness, that it's not our training that makes us godly. It's not the things that we use to train with that make us godly. And the only thing that makes us godly is the grace of God towards those who would believe in Him. But because of that, because of that grace that has been given to us, we should have a desire that has changed within us to think on, to work towards, to train in the things that are godly. And we do it, you see, in verse 10. For the reason we do this, the reason we labor and strive, is because we have put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all. So we have this hope that is in Christ, this hope in believing the gospel is true. And when we believe the gospel, we must believe it all. And so we believe that, that Christ's work on the cross was sufficient and that our salvation comes through that work. And also, because we understand that grace, it should spur us on to want to live a life that reflects that gospel, reflects that grace to the world around us so that all might come to know Him. And so that's our striving, that's our purpose in training. But he says in verse 7, he says, Have nothing to do with pointless and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. Now, it's important you see that word there where it says, Rather, or instead, train yourself in godliness. When we see that word there that, that says, Rather, or instead, we can understand that if we're not training ourselves in godliness, that, that the words that come right after that, that the before would be true for us, or are more likely to be true. We would start to have these dealings with pointless and silly myths that go along with the gospel. You see, if we're not training ourselves, if we're not purposing ourselves and understanding clearly, it's easy to get distracted by these secondary things uh, that are added to the true gospel. We can start to get hung up in works and, and self-righteousness and all of these things because we're not training ourselves in true godliness, which involves humility involves prayer and involves an understanding of God's Word clearly, fully. And so we have to be careful with those things. So instead of getting sidetracked by these things, he says the answer to that is to train ourselves. And then he goes on to say, when it comes to training ourselves in godliness, he says the training of the body, in verse 8, the training of the body has limited benefit but godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now Paul uses this analogy, this comparison between physical training and spiritual training because it was something culturally that would have made much sense to the Ephesians, these, the people who, who were a part of the early games and, and the understanding of athletes who would train their bodies to perform. And it still holds true for us today. And we, we train ourselves in many different ways, whether we train ourselves athletically or whether we train ourselves academically or whether we train ourselves in some type of form of art, whether it be music or, or acting or whatever it may be. We train ourselves in these things because we want to improve in these things. But when we think about training, especially the way Paul uses it here, athletically, when you think about the athletes in the world who are at the top, those who are performing at a high level, their training is very intense. 
Their training is something that they spend a lot of time in. It's something they're focused on. It's something they work towards. And you see that towards the end there in verse 10. He says, this is why we labor and strive. This idea that our training in godliness should be a laborsome process. That we should be striving. We should put work into it. Because it's the most important thing for us. The benefits of spiritual training don't just affect us now in this current life, but they affect us in the eternal because they help us to understand godliness, which we will live with and in throughout eternity as believers. And so it's important for us to understand why we should be training ourselves. I love this analogy because it plays out so simply and so easily, this idea of physical training and spiritual training. Again, you know, when we see people who, who decide someday that they're going to get into shape, they're going to lose weight, we see them do it in, in many different ways. But those who are successful are those who, who don't just say, okay, I'm, I'm going to try this. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this for a little while and see how it works. And if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm giving up. But those who have this mindset of completely changing, those who say, this is going to be a lifestyle change for me. This is something that I'm going to do from now on. This is a new vision about how I'm going to treat my body. This is a new idea about how I'm going to exercise and train my body in every way. And it has to be this full, full change in everything for it to be successful. Otherwise, it just becomes another diet that, that maybe works for a little bit. But then whenever you start to see and you get to the results that you want, you, you give up on the diet and you go back to your old ways of, of eating and not exercising. And then you get back out of shape again. And then you're longing to, to find the next quick fix diet. Well, I think that's what we can do with the Lord pretty simply and pretty easily. As when everything is going good and we feel good about who we are, we, we don't pursue him the way that we should. We don't, we don't train ourselves in reading the word and through prayer and fasting and, and all of these things that help us to grow spiritually. And we think, well, everything's pretty good right now, so I can just kind of do the minimal. And, and then something comes along in our, our relationship with others or our relationship with the Lord, and we start to have this distance that comes in this this interference in this relationship when we start to, to wonder where, where God has gone or why God is allowing these things to happen. And, and so we kind of get out of shape, if you will, spiritually, and we long to be back in shape again. This, this normally takes place when you look at certain ideas like church camps or mission trips where you, you go somewhere and you, you take everything else in the world away and you've trained yourself for that week or however long it is that you're going to have this schedule of waking up and praying, serving others, fellowshipping with people in the church, uh, times of dedicated worship, times of focused prayer that you're going to have all through this week. And then we always talk about these spiritual highs that come from that. Well, it's because we're training ourselves and we're, we're seeing the results of that training even in that week. But what normally happens is we come back home and we've got this spiritual high and we feel good about our relationship with the Lord. And then we start to allow all these other things back into our lives. And that training that we spent starts to slip away a little bit. And we start to feel the effects of being a, an out-of-shape Christian again, if you will. And so I think it's important. I love this analogy. I love this idea of, of comparing the physical with the spiritual. I'll also say this, that you know, oftentimes we... We see people when they train their bodies, they, they may start small. If they're out of shape and they're new to this, they may start small with a 10-minute you know, workout or, a, or just a, a walk around the block or something like that to get themselves started into it. 
But if they really want to see results, that starting has to progress. But sometimes, and I would say probably most of the time, one of the, the failures of, of Christians and, and maybe failures of the church in encouraging other believers is we don't allow people to, to understand that they need to continually strive and push further. And so we encourage people to do things like quiet times and in the morning. And, and we say all the time, we make it so easy. We're like, hey, even if it's five minutes. And you know what? That's a great starting point. But if you've been a believer for a long time and you're still waking up and, and it's just five minutes in the morning, how do you expect godliness to be something that increases in your life if you're not training more and more, just like we do with everything else? We give all this effort to the things of the world to train in certain ways, but when it comes to spirituality, we, we think that it should come on its own or we don't want to put in the, the work and, or maybe we just don't think it's necessary to grow. But it's clear here. It's clear in this text that we are to train ourselves. And so I want to encourage you as my brother or sister in Christ to train yourself in godliness. Look at your life now spiritually and, and kind of get a gauge of where you think you are. And then set goals just like you would if you were, you were starting to get back into shape physically. Start to set goals of, of what you want to accomplish spiritually. Set goals of, of how long you want to be in the Word each day. And, and don't be afraid to challenge yourself on those things. Set goals of, of how often you're going to pray. Set goals of, of things that are spiritual. And, and don't just set the goals just to achieve them and think that that in itself is what makes you godly. Again, the training doesn't make you godly. But in the training, we can understand godliness more. So set goals. Give yourself a plan. Start to push yourself to grow in that way because I promise you nothing is of more importance than our spiritual training. So I want to encourage you to do that. Think about your spiritual life, how you can increase that, how you can increase your training in that. Next week, we're going to be back in the book of 1 Timothy. Again, we're going to pick this up in, in verse 11 where he starts to encourage Timothy that even though he is young, he has abilities and not to let the world look down on him because he's young. So for many of you who are listening, you are young people, I want to encourage you that your youth does not stop you from being used. So until next week, may God bless you and all that you do. I hope you have a great week.